Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Magic is powerful. Listen, this is going to be shit from the beginning of the episode to the end of the episode. You're going to have a ton of fun while you listen to it, but you're probably not going to learn much. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Not much, Pat. It is full-fledged summer now. I am. Is it? I'm ready. I don't know. It was, it was like almost 80 degrees today. That's basically summer. Was it really? Yeah. Dang. I was outside, too. I, I, I mean, it felt warmer than usual, I guess. It was nice. <laughs> it was a nice day today. It was beautiful out. Yeah, it was great. I had to put on the 100 SPF, man. Yeah, I can't wait to get inside and play some cards. You know, get out of that sun. <laughs> oh, man. So protect uh, the skin. <laughs> yeah, Governor Baker just uh, had the big announcement today. Did you see that? Uh, about being able to go outside again? Well, no, uh, lifting all, basically opening the state completely on May 29th. Oh, I did see that. And I thought it was hilarious that in the announcement, they specifically called out that it is now okay to go back into ball pits. And I just want to say, we probably should have left that restriction in place because those things are nasty. Uh, okay. Counterpoint <laughs> though, that restriction never should have been lifted in the first place. Never should have been put in the first place. Ball pits are about as American as apple pie, man. No, they are disgusting, literal cesspools of human filth. And- tell me you've never heard of George Wash- Washington's ball pit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> at Mount Vernon? You've never heard of the ball pit at Mount Vernon? No, I can't say I have. Oh, I have wow. heard about the count countless baby diapers that populate the bottom of the Chuck E. G's ball, ball pit. Well, that's just for flavor. It's it's Ugh. nice. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 I, I i disagree man i think ball pits are great i think uh i think they should be open i think they should be good to go although like i'd say the amount of ball pits per capita has fallen uh in the last like 20 yeah, years or so because people realize how disgusting they are you know no, i think kids just like video games more they're less in, interested in ball that is such a boomer answer that is like, no i think kids like not getting pink eye i think that's what it comes down to well listen my <laughs> I, I i'm gonna tell you my two kids are both very active right and uh very uh, pink I, I let that listen i let them start <laughs> playing halo uh when uh like the I, I let them start playing like console video games when lockdown first started so this is back in march started them off on the wii then they got a switch for christmas and then they started playing halo uh probably around the same time around christmas time and now they are currently on halo 4 and i'm just saying like the toys they have have been unused and they're just strewn about and if they get a new lego set in they'll play with that but they are just like they just want to play video games or just go outside and play but that, and that's usually at my my urging you know maybe they're just getting older pat and their tastes change do you still watch the same TV shows you watched, you know, when you were nine? I don't think so. I mean, I do. SpongeBob. You made me. You, Sponge, I think SpongeBob I think is forever. Have, I think you have, uh, you know, inadvertently made me incredibly, incredibly sad just now. <laughs> um, I'm going to take a minute <laughs> off and uh, I'm going to go sulk for a moment. But why don't you introduce our guest this week, Jerry? Yeah. Pat's going to collect himself as he realizes his kids are growing up and leaving the nest soon at the right old age of what? Seven, nine. Stop <laughs> saying it. <laughs> well, while Pat is collecting himself, we are welcoming back to the cast. Longtime favorite uh, guest host, Mr. Bryant Cook. How are you doing, sir? 
Jerry, it's great to be back. Although I have to say, I feel like you must be like scraping the bottom of the barrel to get me back here. It's like, oh, it's that time already. Well, what do you mean? We just, we had a great history episode last week that people really liked. And I'm like, you know what? Brian's losing his, his lead. He is not the most, uh, most appeared guest anymore. We need to get him back in the studio so he can uh, kind of reclaim that, uh, that title. I actually do appreciate that quite a bit, Jerry. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'm in the cover photo for leaving a legacy. I am the third host. <laughs> it's true. I would say so. We have uh, one of the screening questions we have for the Facebook page is, uh, you know, who is your favorite uh, legacy host? And, you know, usually it's, you know, me or Pat, me or Pat and me and Pat have a kind of a Gimli legless style uh, <laughs> competition of who gets more votes. Except we're both Gimli. Just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> Except we're both Gimli. Uh, and uh, probably I would say that the second or third most common one is uh, is you, Bryant. We got probably most common responses are Bryant, uh, Tom Hap, and uh, Wilson are probably the, the most common uh, options. <laughs> I'd believe the Wilson answer. He's very lovable. It's true. It's, it's the bald head. You know, everyone loves a bald head. He has a full head of hair now. Oh, he's left the club. You know, never mind. Wilson's dead to me. <laughs> Apparently he just hated uh, getting haircuts or something. He sent me multiple selfies over quarantine of him with a full head of hair and a big beard. Really? I will say though, if you hate haircuts, going bald is not the way to do it because I have never had so many haircuts as I do when I'm bald because I have to give myself a haircut like twice a week. Hmm. I believe that sounds like a lot. Of, I hate shaving too. Yeah. I shave like once a week. Yeah. Also, you don't realize how big your head is until you shave it. Like it is a lot of surface area, (laughs) but anyways, the reason why we had you on the cast was to bring some level of respectability to us and uh, talk about some legacy. Oh, geez. I've been losing so much recently. You probably could have gotten someone better. Yeah, but I mean, we learn through our failures. That's what it comes down to. So, you know, who better to have on than Brian Cook, right? (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) Ever since the banning, I've just gone cold. Really? I've noticed you've been you've been playing a couple different decks. We were talking a little bit in the the pre-show. You uh you recently did a uh, video on uh on elves or mono green storm as you called it. Yeah, I've been uh, expanding the YouTube channel quite a bit. It's uh combo decks throughout formats, so we play a little bit of everything. And I had a few requests for elves, so I figured why not give it a shot. Heritage Shrewd is just basically Green Dark Ritual, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'd go with that. <laughs> yeah, I have to jump through a couple extra hoops, but, you know, it gets the job done. It was not a very pretty league. Uh, I had a lot of comments about all of my misplays, which I do appreciate. You know, feed that YouTube algorithm. I do appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, you had some tough decisions, I remember, like right at the start in uh, the first game. Uh, you had a pretty difficult uh, mulligan decision, like in just your initial opening hand. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, you were deciding between putting back a like nettle sent nettle sentinel or a uh, wirewood symbiote, and you were like weighing, you know, if you top deck heritage through it, if it would be worth it or not. So, I mean, El- elves is just a, a tricky deck in general to play. There's so many lines, and you know it. it yeah, you, know, you kind of did a tongue in cheek calling it mono green storm, but that's not too far from the truth as far as just, you know, managing all the lines of play and just knowing when to go off. So if we're willing to group all of the, uh, the bullshit Delver decks into one deck archetype, I think elves is probably the second or third best deck in legacy. Hmm. How come? What, what about it? 
Allosaurus Shepard is a ridiculous Magic the Gathering card. Yeah, that's uh, true. The deck doesn't have to respect days anymore, which is just like the rest of the format does. So it gives elves this huge boost. And I'd say that Doomsday is probably like elves and Doomsday are likely tied in my mind. And then just like Delver is always the best thing in the format to be doing. Mm-hmm. So it's a really yeah. good deck. Plus, I mean, I, I'll always love combo decks that can also just be a fair deck and win as a fair deck. And I feel elves is the quintessential uh, version of that where Yes, they're an explosive combo deck, but they can also just chip away at you. Yeah, that and uh, they're unaffected by deafening silence. When I'm like, part of me losing all the time is deafening silence. Uh, people start, start to like wisen up and play that card, really? but Elves just gets to win through it. And honestly, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, I, I I still run into tons of mind traps and leagues and deafening silences, which is fine. Like people need to respect Swarm somewhat. But uh, those have cards don't beat Elves and they don't beat Doomsday. And I feel like those two decks are at the top, of, but people haven't figured out what they should be doing to beat those decks. So instead, I just suffer. Yeah, that is interesting because I remember when Deafening Silence got spoiled. We are like, yeah, this is a cool sideboard option. Like Death and Taxes might run it. And you're right. It is just seeing a ton of play in a lot of different deck sideboards uh, that you wouldn't necessarily expect just because deafening silence does feel kind of narrow like you said it, it's very specific in what it hates out and it it loses to a lot of the other combo decks in the format but we're just still seeing it in just everywhere i it's it's funny you point that out i've definitely noticed jerry you've noticed you've <laughs> noticed yeah how, how is how is storm in the meta right now uh this is the worst i think i've been positioned since the wish Clyra. really I guess the breach existed, like not counting the breach short month, but other than that breach month, I think this is the worst I've been positioned. Mm-hmm. Stifles back. All the Delver decks have gotten smaller, which is tougher for me. Mm-hmm. Like when the Epic Storm was really well positioned, the control decks were very mid-rangey. Like we have the four-color snow deck. That was pretty much a mid-range deck with forcibles in it. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. And then your Delver deck was larger to be a tempo mid-range deck. Like it was more of a mid-range deck than a tempo deck, but both the best decks in the format were fairly mid-rangey and TES got to prey on that. Now the control decks have gotten larger and the tempo decks have gotten smaller, which leaves me in this awkward space. Yeah, that is true. Like we were seeing for a long time, the Delver lists were running Oko themselves just because they had to. And most combo players, when their opponent taps out on turn three for an Oko, you kind of breathe a sigh of relief because it doesn't really do much against the combo decks, uh, you know, unless you just let it get out of hand and they gain a bunch of life off of food tokens or something like that. Yeah. And Uro has uh, started to disappear from these decks. I mentioned that on the podcast a while ago, the eternal glory podcast, uh, joking aside, but <laughs> though like the Uros have gone away or not entirely, but less people are playing them. And instead you're getting more like monkeys and stuff like that. So people have open, these stifles or pyroblast or whatever they're playing. Uh, and it's just tougher to find that window to get in because Earl doesn't affect me, but people are realizing that Earl wasn't as good as everyone thought post ban. Mm. What about uh man? I'm blanking on it. The green, the green anti combo card gives you hex proof from blue and black until end of turn veil of summer. Yeah. Veil of summer. Thank you. We're seeing less of that now though. Isn't, hasn't that always been a really uh, troubling card for storm? For Ad Nauseam Tendrils, yes. Uh, for TES, the, with the Wishclaw changed, mm-hmm. we don't play discard spells anymore, and we haven't since Wishclaw. 
so really the only card that it hits is the tendrils of agony so you can usually just grape shot for lethal gotcha like honestly i'd say i lose like one in every 100 games to veil of summer it's pretty small yeah oh i mean i just it's it's not uh with green kind of falling off a little bit in popularity we haven't seen much of it uh lately uh have you noticed a, a return of discard i remember people were sleeving up him, him to torax right after the ban but that's kind of fallen off but i wonder just kind of your perception of the meta are you seeing a lot of like thoughts and hymns get thrown around or is it just still mostly stifles i haven't so I haven't been playing leagues, if I'm being honest with you. Like my recording schedule is just like pretty brutal. I'm releasing a, like a video a day at the moment, mm. and so the only legacy I've been playing are specifically challenges. Like that's it. Gotcha. Um, like my last three events are all challenges, and I'll say this: it's fucking boring. Mm-hmm. Um, like my this is not an exaggeration. My last two challenges, the first four rounds, each of them had three dollars. Um, it's just like the meta is so saturated with Delver right now. Uh, and which is funny that we not we, super fun. We ban all these Delver cards and Delver is still the best deck. <laughs> yeah. I remember there were some people shouting on Twitter about how if they banned Oko combo would take over the format. It's just like bad faith arguments in my opinion. Yeah. It's a, it's funny thinking about it too. Also compared to last week when we talked about a time before Delver and just kind of looking at things, how they, how they, uh, played out and what deck lists look like it would be interesting to see if wizards just bit the bullet and banned delver what you th- what that would do to the meta i mean obviously i've thought about that a lot yeah i mean obviously um, it'd be completely different than before delver since we've had 10 years of cards printed but yeah what what would the meta look like in, in your mind's eye so if we look at modern is it blitz is the best deck in the format and you see a lot of like monastery swift spears and um soul scar mage that sort of stuff. There's the new white creature, um, something Luminancer, uh, has Magecraft plus two plus two. Um, so I think what it does is it forces people to pick their colors for tempo decks. So I've heard the argument that tempo would die without Delver of Secrets, and I think that's just like complete bull. Uh, yeah. Ninjas as a tempo deck, yep. ninjas would continue to exist, in fact, as a tempo deck. It happens to have a combo finish, but it's still a tempo deck. Um, so Temple as an archetype would still be around, but I think we'd see more prowess-based strategies, and I know that's what Pat likes to play. Mm-hmm. Pat's Delver decks tend to be a little more prowess-based, so we'd see a return of that. Um, but Del- like, here's my issue with Delver, and I don't think it necessarily should be banned. I think it shouldn't exist, but Blue should have never have gotten the most aggressive creature printed of all time. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's 100% true. Do you think uh, like decks like Zoo would come back, or do you just think that the that their time in Legacy has sailed? Like that uh, that era is never coming back. <laughs> never coming back. Your your current apes are never going to be relevant. I'm sorry, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. It makes me wonder. I mean, I would love it as a combo player. I, I would just love it if if Delver ceased to exist. Um, and I definitely think combo would get very powerful and we would see a huge upswing in combo decks, especially probably a show and tell variants. Um, but I do think the meta would level off after a while, just because people are going to adjust to it with their, their cyborg hate. You know, we have had so many good uh, hate cards printed over the years that I don't think it's possible for any like crazy metas to, to stick around for too long. Like I just, I just don't think it's possible. I think we're always going to, uh, you know, 
uh, trends back towards the medium of having, you know, a more rock, paper, scissors style uh, metagame. It, it's just not going to be possible for something like combo to dominate, even if something like Delver of Secrets uh, got completely banned and removed from the format. Well, that's the thing. Most combo decks are pretty easy to hate out if you want to beat them. Right. Um, for example, TS just like flat out loses to Nullrod. Mm-hmm. Um, since you can show you could play Containment Priest or Reanimator, um, there's ways to beat these decks. The toughest ones to my, in my mind to beat are actually Doomsday and Elves, which is why we're seeing them succeed. I don't know if people are actually playing dedicated Elves hate. Uh, you could count Plague Engineer, but like the best deck in the format isn't playing black. The control decks aren't black. Uh, they're usually like miracles esque for like, and they're banned for, you know, Veil of Summer and Uro. So we're not seeing a whole lot of Plague Engineers, which helps Elves be a better deck. Um, but that's what I think. If you want to beat Elves, you can. But let's also think back. This like we haven't had a world where Delver Secrets and Force Negation don't exist with one another, and I don't think Combo would actually take over. Like Control decks can police Combo. It's just that Delver's better at doing it. Um, like I don't think that if Delver were to leave the format, all of a sudden Combo would take over. I think you'd see an initial spike and then a dip. Yeah, for sure. I I agree with that. I mean. I I do think that combo exists as a pillar, uh, like like you're saying, and you know it'll it'll always exist. But yeah, like you said, it's just it's way too easy to hate it out these days. It's not 2011, and we don't have half the hate cards that have been printed. Now we may be uh, kind of choking on our words here a little bit, complaining about the format being boring and solved because we do have Modern Horizons two on the horizon. <laughs> No, no pun intended. This is the, like, I'm actually looking forward to it. So uh, part of the, like, playing the YouTube channel game and everything is I've been playing more formats. And I honestly can't wait to see some of the mechanics they put into the set. Uh, and, like, it's actually, like, sort of fun. Like, always, the last, like, 10 years of my life, looking at everything from a legacy perspective, it's a little different because you're, you're only excited about a few cards. I'm excited to see commons right now because I've been playing so much Popper. Uh, Popper is actually like legacy light Mm -hmm. and I've been really enjoying it. Like the cycle storm deck is super fun. Uh, You get to abuse songs of the damned and like reaping the grave. So like I want cycling to be in the set so badly. Uh, I also wouldn't mind if like splice onto arcane came back because I've been playing twiddle storm and popper too. Hmm. Um, The the format feels like legacy, but like less degenerate. Um, And that goes for all the archetypes. Like it's just like, you get to do a lot of more of those like smaller interactions that people like to do. Um, so shout out to Popper. I didn't think I would like it. I just did it for a donation deck, and then I grew to love it very quickly. So hmm. that's yeah. awesome. Is is Delver banned in Popper? Nope, it's not. <laughs> okay, no. Uh, <laughs> that said, I didn't start playing Popper until after the bans uh, that nuked Delver, and I guess at some point they thought that having Gush Days in the card Foil all legal at the same time would be fine, uh, which just <laughs> sounds ridiculous. Well. <laughs> no, so they banned uh, Days Gush, and Foil still legal, but no one plays it. Um, but it's like the best deck is still a blue Delver deck with like spell setter sprites and stuff. Like that shell is just like you still get to play brainstorm, ponder, delver. Like mm-hmm. that's all you need. 
That's what I'm afraid of too, is that, you know, Delver gets banned and we still see the same deck in, in legacy. Like maybe they just go back to having like nimble mongoose or something like that, that it's just, it's not even Delver. It's just, it's just the ingrained DNA of legacy at this point is so intertwined with the tempo shell that it doesn't matter what card you ban. It's still always going to exist and it's still always going to be the best if, or one of the best decks, uh, you know, in the format. So here's an unpopular opinion. Um, I've been against this for years, but I think it's honestly the only way to actually hurt Temple if you wanted to. Uh, Days would have to be the card to leave because it would allow people to play Honest Magic again. That, because like yeah. Delver wouldn't have this fear game. Like they talk about it when you talk about modern with Splitter Twin, how you always had to respect it. And sometimes it was right to play into it, but like you had to play this fear game all the time. Mm-hmm. Days is that fear game, and Delver gets it at no cost. Yep, hundred percent. So, uh, Days would have to be the card, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's funny. The, the same thing with uh, Stifle too is just the psychological impact of it. You know, one of my friends, Josh, he would run like a single Stifle in his list, and you know, I remember like, why why are you running the single Stifle? And just like, well, it's not even about like having it or needing. It's just it's just the fear that it puts into your opponent. Just mm-hmm. you know, accidentally drop it on the table as you're shuffling up your library, and your opponent's gonna play around it every time, or just you know, stifle their fetch land once, and they'll always be second guessing before they crack a fetch land. And you know, days does have that same psychological impact where. You know, even if you don't have days, just your opponent playing around days gets you value for a card that's not even in your hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to let you know, you're probably going to get a bunch of feedback from people from this episode uh, complaining about me. Every <laughs> single time I talk about Delver on the Eternal Glory podcast, people will just leave like giant paragraphs on Reddit about like, Brian Cook gets to play Lion's Eye Diamond and you have a problem with Delver of Secrets? <laughs> and like, they just go off, so... So let, let's talk about that. So, you know, Lotus effects in uh, legacy uh, recently with, what was it? Uh, Crystal Lotus, or I forget what it was. The, the commander Lotus. Jeweled Lotus. Jeweled Lotus. Yeah, that's, that's it. Uh, which everyone's like, oh, it's a commander only. And then someone found a way to break it in legacy. And now there's another, you know, black Lotus effect. And with that, with the modern horizon two spoilers, we have another Lotus effect. Uh, do you Is think that true? Yeah, have you not seen Diamond Lion, the most tongue-in-cheek? Oh, that card stinks. <laughs> it stinks. So that's what they said about uh, about uh, Jeweled Lotus, and then it still ended up uh, top-aiding a uh, Legacy Challenge. So, that takes a meme. Like, they're only playing that for, like, the trigger. Like, it's fine. Yeah. For our listeners who don't know, Diamond Lion is two for a 2-2 artifact creature cat, and it's tap discard your hand sacrifice diamond lion add three mana of any one color activate only as an instant so the most tongue-in-cheek lion's eye diamonds uh callback mm-hmm. <laughs> diamond lion is seeing uh modern horizons 2 pl- uh printing for speaking of modern horizons 2 brainstone is so close to being good uh if it was one in one like i'd probably play it in tes but instead I'm probably going to keep on playing Mishra's Bobble at the moment. Uh, like Brainstone is one mana for an artifact and then two to activate that artifact. And the effect is Brainstorm. Um, so it's essentially a three mana Brainstorm. Is it a sack or does it stay in play? It's a sacrifice. Ah, okay. Um, so it's pretty close to being playable. Honestly, if it was one colorless and 
to cast it and then activate, I think it see play. It'd probably see play over preordain. So like you'd play brainstorm, ponder, brainstone. Um, uh, see, I thought you were just memeing and saying like brainstone is like the nickname of this card that people gave it, but it's literally no. called brainstone. Yeah, it's got horrible art too. Um, so between Diamond Lion and Brainstone, I'm wondering if Wizards Creative Team got some like budget cuts or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all supposed to be like callbacks. There's the new Urza's Land too. That I think that land's like pretty good. I posted it into TES chat and I was like, maybe this is a future potential playable. And I just got shit on. Uh, hmm. They were just like, you're an idiot, Brian. Take your trash somewhere else. So. I I know the post players were talking about it. So for those who haven't seen it, Urza Saga, it's a land. Uh, it's an enchantment land specifically. And it's a saga. The first saga is Urga Saga gains tap at a colorless. Its second one is Urga Saga gains two tap, create a zero zero colorless construct artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control. And then finally three, Search your library for an artifact card with mana cost zero or one, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. I think it's interesting, but I feel, I feel, I don't know if we've played with sagas enough to really understand their potential. If that makes sense, you know, it's, well, they're really good. Uh, not so much in legacy, but in other formats, they're very, very powerful. Right. And I think that's what I'm like. What I'm trying to say is I don't think legacy players respect sagas enough because when I played with sagas in draft, they were unpredictable. Well, not that's the wrong word. It's not that it's unpredictable. It's hard to plan around them. Like with planeswalkers, it's easy because you just choose whatever you want to use with the uh, with the sagas. It really comes down to you need to have, you know, explicit planning, not just this turn, but for the next three turns and if something changes in those three turns, you might not be able to adjust your game plan to fit it and still take full advantage of your saga. I like skill testing cards like that. So like for Urza Saga, it's actually better if you play it as your second land, because then if you can use the second ability without acceleration. So I'm actually for like small cards like that. They reward you for taking incremental advantages. Like to me, that's good. I don't think every card should be obvious with how to play it. Uh, like magic's like dumbed down the game quite a bit in the last mm. 10 years, not to like make fun of the people that design cards, but like cards used to be symmetrical, like metally mage, you name a card, players can't play that card. I'm pretty sure, uh, metally mage is symmetrical. Um, but like now if metally mage were printed today, it'd be like your opponent can't cast this card. Um, like sanctum prelate, uh, I believe is non-symmetrical, but it's like the last one that was, or is symmetrical. I'm sorry. Um, but like a bunch of them are just like only your opponent now. And I feel like that's worse design. Like it goes back to like how the Lords used to be both players creatures. So like mm -hmm. if I had an elf in play and you played an elvish champion, my elf would get bigger. Right. Uh, magic's like remove that level of complexity from the game. Yeah, it's true. And it's, it's sad to see that. And it's the, you know, that the overall trend is that we're moving away from that especially because I know Morrow in a lot of interviews and whatnot has, um, you know, said explicitly that they try and do that. You know, they're trying to make magic more approachable to a wider audience. And so they're get, getting rid of complexity. Um, but it is good to see them bring it back in these other ways, like with the saga, uh, where it is a very complex card that takes a lot of thought in decision making. Uh, and it's, you know, even better when they can be powered powerful enough to see play in legacy for sure.
So Pat, you haven't been doing a whole lot of talking. What do you think of Legacy right now? Uh, I mean, honestly, I, like I feel like I have not much to speak about because I've basically played zero since since lockdown started. Like I've done some webcam games here and there, um, but that's about it, man. Like uh, my, I've tried to play Magic Online, and like I keep telling myself I'm ramping myself up to play some Magic Online, and Jerry's like, oh, just you know, get these cards, yada yada yada. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And then when it comes down to it, I just don't like playing magic i just truly don't like it like it's not i don't know i'd rather not play magic than play magic online almost you know what i mean so um that's why i'm really excited for things to open up here because i just want to get back to playing paper games because then i feel like i actually have something to say about the format but for now it's just you know it's it, it just doesn't interest me to play magic online so i i have not a lot to say about it, unfortunately um just kind of you know my observations well, uh, why being... don't we get you on that uh 90s mtg chris bianchi i'm sure we can get you on there uh hit up roland chang great person <laughs> yeah Roland's yep. a good friend of well, mine yeah i the, think the... he might even be the monarch right now like just be like hey <laughs> i want to challenge you roland i want to play paper <laughs> magic via camera with you yeah no that's definitely something i'm into I, they've had, I've, I've been on 90s mtg i think once before and i did the um i definitely did the pit as well um and it's super fun like i said like that is the closest I get to paper magic right now. And Jerry knows I've, I've talked about it in a lot of pre-shows how much like I miss just going out and playing and stuff. And like, I've been like buying, I mean, you know, I just spent a good amount of money, like picking up some of the new times spiral cards and um, just to update my decks with and whatnot. But uh, so, yeah, I'm ready to go once, once things open up, man. But yeah, it's just been, it's been tough, dude. It's been really tough. I, I miss, I miss going out and seeing my friends and playing in, in, you know, in person and, also, like just getting out of the house, like uh, I was talking to a friend of mine today and like, you know, I think people are very hesitant. Uh, they're, they're reticent to, to get out of their houses and get back, get life back to normal, even though I think that's what we've been all been hoping for for the last, you know, 14 months or so. And, um, you know, I, I've been champing at the bit, ready to go out and, and start, you know, start just living life as normal again. So. I don't really know where I was going with that, but I'm basically what I'm saying is I'm hoping that people aren't afraid to go out and and get back to normal. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I've been vaccinated. I got vaccinated. I think my second shot was like a month ago at this point. And uh, I'm just I'm just ready to go, man. I just want to go out there and, and meet people and, and have fun. So I hear you. That said, people are disgusting, Pat. Um, <laughs> they're just dirty, filthy people. Uh, yeah. Cough into their hands and then shuffle their decks. Yeah. Oh. That's true. That's true. Um, that doesn't bother me as much. What bothers me more is like is living apart. Like I think I think humans in general need need community. No, nope. uh, I, I, yeah, I'm nope. totally happy with quarantine. We could just keep that, this that's rolling. a that's the thing, right? Is that that's the thing that um, honestly though that's something that kind of scares me because I think a lot of people are happy in quarantine and it's just it's like not a good way to live. Like no offense, Jerry, I'm sure you love being locked away in your house and. And rusting up all your cast irons that you can without anyone coming over ah. and calling you out on it. But th there is, it's just not, it's not good for you to be, I, you know, s sheltered away in your home and not leaving and getting your groceries delivered. And like, not just like people are, are afraid to just. Why are you attacking having your groceries delivered? Pat? Yeah, you the greatest. Pat, Pat's boomer is really showing. No, right no, 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 no. Because, hold on, hold on. No, hold because on, like you on. make it sound like people are these like hermits who never leave their house and like close the shutters. You you sunlight. literally just said, nope, I like being in my home. It's like, yeah, I yeah, mean, I get yeah that, but know what I did? I went for an hour walk through the woods today. I'm hanging out on Zoom, socializing with ugh, two of my ugh. bestest buds. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm 
I'm sorry we can't all have uh, you know grass-fed beef with uh, hot dogs and what the Star Spangled Banner is playing that is with not fireworks today. And- <laughs> that is that no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like, I, and I, I, Jerry, I think I think that you are not on the the. I don't. I wouldn't include you in the people who I I fear for. Like I don't think th- I know people who literally like will not leave their home. Do you know what I'm saying? Still, like in May of 2021 like won't leave their home or like we'll only do it in the most dire of circumstances. We'll drive their car with a mask on that. That is concerning to me. You know what I mean? I think like humans, we are meant to live in communities, man. We're social creatures. And I think, um, I don't know I, on a serious note, I think like the ramifications of this are going to be felt for a long time. And I don't think people are, are quite ready for it. You know, I will yeah. say this. The thing I like most about quarantine is working from home. For years, my job has told me, like, oh, no, you really need to do your mm-hmm. job in the office. It can't be done from home. Uh, what? Mm-hmm. Like, I work at yep. an advertising agency. Right. My job can most certainly be done from home. Yep. Yep. Uh, and moving forward, I mean, we're going to have, like, one or two work from home days a week moving forward. Mm-hmm. So I won't always have to go into the office, like, that sort of thing. So- and, like, those are, like, the silver linings of COVID. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I'm not. I'm. I'm well, well aware. Not everyone has an office job. I do, but my life will change because of COVID. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I would say, like, per- personally speaking, like, obviously, I'm. My wife works in the hospital. I'm an electrician, so neither of us have the option to work from home. However, like, I actually love the fact that people are being being able to work from home. I think it has a a great. Um, I think it has a bunch of different benefits. Like, first of all, like. Hopefully what it does is starts freeing up space in like downtown areas for like homes to be built instead of these big offices. You know, like I think that's better for people to live, you know, to to bring down the cost of living. Like there's really no need for for a lot of these companies. Like my brother is, for instance, works in outside sales and, or inside sales. I don't know exactly what it has. People call him, put orders in for these massive like uh, chains, based power chains that, that go on all kinds of machinery. Anyway. Like he can do all his work for, he literally does not need to go into the office. Like the whole office culture is like a very like outdated, outmoded idea that is completely unnecessary. Like Jerry doesn't need to go into the office to pal around with his boss. Like that's not necessary. He can work desire to do that. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And I think, I think that mentality is like, is not great. I think it's actually better. Like, Hey, you're spending less time commuting. Like, which means like you are getting hours of your life back that you would be spending in the car, like losing time. So like that's more efficient, more productive, and it's better for the environment. You know, I think working from home also op- offers great opportunities for people who like, you know, childcare is extremely expensive. And so like my, my brother and his, his wife, they work from home with three kids and like, they don't need to, they don't have to send them to daycare if they don't want to, because they can juggle the, the kids and work from home together at the same time. You know, that's pretty, that's pretty fantastic. So I think there's a ton of benefits from work from home. And I don't, I don't, um, I, I completely agree. There are a lot of silver linings that have come from this. Like uh, when I take my kids to go to the doctor's office, oh, we can just wait in our car until it's their time to go in. Like we don't have to go sit in your office, like with a bunch of potentially other sick children, you know, or sick children, if they're in for a well visit or whatever, you know, like that's a really nice, or even for myself, like go to the you know doctor's appointment. Oh, just, just call us, wait in your car. We'll let you know when you're re- when it's ready. It's like, yeah, that's the way it should always be. Like, I don't need to sit in a waiting. I don't need to sit in a waiting room when cell phones and text messaging exists. You know, it's just like, I completely agree. There's a lot of like a lot of good things that have come from this. So to circle back to magic. Uh, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying, Pat, mm. but I think tournaments will be different moving forward. Uh, hopefully what the first thing that they'll do with paper magic comes back automatic play draw 
like that's something I'd love to see is like with your pairings, you are on the play, you are on the draw. Let's get rid of the die roll. Mm. And people aren't gonna like hearing this, but there was tons of motherfuckers out there that cheated on the die roll. I've you had it happen so? to me tons of times in my life. Really? Like I have these big stupid die that I roll. I'll like give them a good shake, roll them. I'll see people pick look at two numbers, pick them up, drop them. Oh, I lost the die roll. Uh not giving honest rolls. Like yeah. that's something that tournament grinders do. Yeah. And if they just automate that, it's one less scummy thing that exists in the game. I don't have to touch your dice that are covered in germs. You don't have to touch mine. Um, it'd be great. Uh, it's going to be tough to get rid of the shuffle and cut. I think like maybe you could do an honor system where you really watch your opponent shuffle. But I don't want to touch other people's stuff. And I think getting yeah. rid of the die rolls is the first thing. Yeah. To, I've always been a person who's like, if someone like, if I watch someone shuffle their deck and I think they've done it adequately, I'll just like tap the top of the top, tap the top of the tap the top of their deck or just kind of like wave my hand over you know what i mean just like because i don't feel the need to pick up their deck um usually if i'm playing at like uh competitive rel i might like give their deck a shuffle or two but i i agree like i think there's probably some, i mean those things are i think are like upgrades what i don't want to see is like uh, and i hate to say this because listen i'm i'm very much a trust the science person like i've been saying that since the beginning and so i i don't want this to come off as like you know, I'm some kind of closet conservative who who are like closet like uh, I know though sometimes Jerry likes to paint me in that in that sort of <laughs> that sort of light because it's funny. We do it for comedic effect, which is fine. But I'm not some sort of like you know closet uh, conspiracy theory guy. Like I, I I'm I believe in like I believe that the doctors and the and that the you know these companies are trying to do their best to to provide a product, obviously to make money, but also to like vaccinate the society. Um, so what I'm saying is, I just hope that. I hope that people aren't making us mask up for tournaments from here out. I would be very disappointed. I think the first few you might need to, but also like the legacy pit ones in September, uh, even with working at an ad agency, they were like, by September, we expect you to be back uh, in the office. So like, yeah, I think by then it's going to be like culturally normed tonight. Like at least here in New York, they just set out like, Hey, you don't have to wear your mask indoors anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to, um, but I think by the time like the pet event comes, it's going to be a little bit different. Yeah, I I I, I hope that's the case as well. To be honest, um, yeah, I uh, I really wanted to just do like another leaving legacy open, and we're trying to figure out like the the logistics for that, and you know when the again like our state opens back up in in May, but again all that stuff is going to be determined by by local stores and what they feel comfortable with and what they what their uh, risk uh, you know. I don't know what the word is, but like whatever that I feel comfortable with the risk, you know, the risks involved or whatever. So, but yeah, I mean, I just, I don't want to be masked up at a tournament. If that's like, if like the, and I get, I guess this is probably me just being, um, you know, uh, worried about it. not, not worried about it, but not, and not obsessive, but like, just like the, the, like my, my mind goes to like Watsi saying something stupid, like, you know, all math, all, you know, organized play events will have to be masked. If, if something like that were to happen, I probably would, consider reconsider like what i want to do you know what i mean that, you know what i'm saying like i, I just i i don't want to keep uh, dealing with the ramifications of covid at this point like i feel like they've got a, a bunch of vaccines out everyone can get them in the u.s like i think let's go let's let's get back life back to normal jerry can still stay it's, in his house he doesn't have to leave if he doesn't want to i know he's got right, i have two things to say pat can i cut you off uh, please yeah, yeah. So the first is, at least in my local area of Syracuse, New York, uh, there was a legacy 2K last week where mm-hmm. you had to be vaccinated and you had to wear a mask. 
Hmm. Um, it, it fired. Uh, I think there was like just under 40 people. Um, but like that happened. And then I know the first two weeks of uh, June, there's two more 2Ks for competing stores in my area. Hmm. So they're both modern too. So back to back modern 2Ks. Uh, so it seems like at least in my area, people are getting um, back to normal. And the second thing is, uh, sorry, Jerry, you might want to close your ears for this sports talk. The New York <laughs> Yankees had seven players test positive yep. for COVID. That mm-hmm. said, they're all vaccinated. Um, yes. So I so to sound a little bit boomer like Pat for a second, uh, if they're all tested and at this point, every player had the opportunity to get the vaccine, why can't they play baseball? Uh, like if they're testing positive and I understand it, but if you're on the field and you chose not to get the vaccine at this point, that's your problem. Yeah. Like it's available for everyone. Yep. But something that blows my mind is that these players that make millions of dollars arrived to spring training in February, they didn't get vaccined. Yeah. Like they had the, like, like the vaccine was out by then. Like you could get it if you were like in the medical field or whatever, yep. but these people making millions of dollars didn't have the vaccine available to them in February. And they were just like playing baseball together, which is crazy to me. And now all of a sudden it's an issue. Um, no, like I, I don't like the Yankees at all. I'm a Mets fan, but mm-hmm. those guys should be allowed to play baseball because by now you should have had the opportunity to get vaccinated. Yeah. I would thousand percent agree. And like, and they say like the, you know, even though like the, the vaccines are like 80 or 90% effective, like that doesn't mean that they're 80 or 90% effective at preventing serious cases. And like, those are the ones that we obviously are concerned about, like the most COVID case. And, you know, don't get me wrong. The vast majority of COVID cases are asymptomatic or, or very, very low symptoms. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty benign, not, I don't want to call it benign because I understand like, you know, we've had over half a million Americans die from, from COVID, but you know, that's like over the course of a, a 14 months. And, uh, you know, for the vast majority of people, like it's, it's not, it's not a grave concern right like so you're talking about baseball players who are in incredible shape right incredible athletes who have been back like those guys have been vaccinated and how many point. people do you know who have actually had like do you know people who have actually had covid and are yes. suffering from the effects because yep. the people i know who have it or have had it mm-hmm. are not doing well like they are they have like permanent lung damage. Mm. Yeah. They I mean, are, again, that's, that is like, that is, uh, again, ta- the, I'm the, talking the, like healthy people in their thirties and forties. Mm-hmm. Like my, my buddy, you know, played on two uh, like uh, community volleyball teams, like mm-hmm. active person. He's, he's done. Like he can't play sports anymore. Like he's still on oxygen. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you are really underselling this year. And I, I honestly think you're in for a rude surprise, Pat. There is no going back to normal. Like we're going to be dealing with this for decades going forward. And it's going to change how we reinteract. It's going to change a lot of things. I, if, you're, I just, if you're expecting I, I, us to go back to the way it was beforehand, I think you're going to be sadly, yeah, sadly. I highly, I highly disagree with what you're saying, Jerry, that it's it's going to take decades to go back to normal. And I, I understand right, because I don't think it's ever going to go back to normal. I don't so, think we're yeah, ever that, going to that, get back that, to that's a, that's a crazy, that's interrupt a, that, for a that's second. That's an insane notion. That's an insane mom, notion dad, here. please. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's bring the volume down a little bit. Uh, I think it's probably likely going to be a happy medium. I think for the next five years, we're probably going to have to get COVID shots. Uh, and then there's going to be like half of America. That's just people that refuse. Um, but I think it's going to be like the flu shot where you just need to get it annually to lower your chance of side effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to have some people that just die because they refuse and, uh, natural selection is a bitch. Well, I mean, that's listen, like it, people, people die all the time. And like, and I'm just going to say, Jerry, the, the two people I know who had it are both like close relatives as in like, 
like actual people I've lived with in my life. So, and one of them is older and uh, was sick for a day and was fine. And he is not like a, an extraordinarily healthy guy. And the other guy I know had it twice and he's extremely healthy. And again, same, same deal. So, um, you know, anecdotal evidence aside, like that we are not, the numbers do not state that people are having these massive long-term effects on a, on a large scale basis, but yes, they right. are <laughs> not on, on a large, I'm saying on a large scale basis, like the vast majority of right, COVID-19 uh, cases are asymptomatic or, or low symptom with no, with no long-term like, like what's your, how what's did your I get pulled into this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is, this is not because Pat's, Pat's crazy boomer anti-vax. It's not cra- <laughs> what are you talking about? Anti-vax? <laughs> I got the vaccine. Literally. I signed, I actually, I actually put on there. I mean, this is true that I, I, I registered early because I was coaching high school football because I was working with high school kids. So I was able to get in even earlier than people like who, who aren't. So I got in as soon as, as soon as it was available to me, Jerry, I took the vaccine. So I don't want to hear, I don't want you even to paint me as an anti-vax person because that irks and me not, to no end. Anti-vax, anti-vax as in the, the, all right, I'm going to change it to Karen, Pat and his boomer Karen oh, attitude. That's so not true. All right, can we change it's, the topic, please? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think we're on a roll now, but yeah, you're trying to engage me in discussion. And this is what happens. Uh, yeah. We just go off the rails. I'll make sure not to do it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Engage Pat and his discussion of the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He's an idiot, so by the way. I listen to don't uh, get... <laughs> fake doctors, real friends, and Donald Faison takes the Joe rogan pill and zach braff all along has been like you know it's a placebo effect right and he's like i know but it makes me feel so good um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah don't take the joe rogan pill uh but to circle back to legacy first actually no i had something to say before then pat you would be i've done a couple home projects since COVID started i'm a homeowner yeah i've done a bunch of electrical wiring um uh, myself it fucking terrifies me but i've done it <laughs> um, I haven't shocked myself yet, but like a lot of like replacing dimmers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I know it's not like that crazy. Um, but like, I've gotten like kind of into the weeds. We had an electrical issue, um, uh, in our like giant living room, uh, great room. I don't know what to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I problem solved that and it took me like 10 hours, but I got there and ended <laughs> up being like a clipped wire in the wall. Yep. Um, so I just thought I'd share that. Like you'd appreciate me uh, getting a little bit dirty. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I, I've I've actually uh, one of my rooms is uh, halfway demoed right now. It's like half the walls are ripped down, and I haven't gotten to it in like two in like two months. But yeah, I've also been taking on a few projects. That's fantastic, Bryant. I think um, I think like most electrical stuff in the house, like a lot of homeowners can do, as long as you are fairly competent. You can watch YouTube videos and like you know how to turn off a circuit breaker because at least if you can do that and you have like a little you know non-contact voltage tester, like you can like make sure stuff's safe to touch and and not get whacked but i will say like you're not really living until you've been hit by 120 at least twice in a day so well it uh, hasn't happened to me yet so i'm gonna well, that's knock good. on wood that's good that's good uh that's awesome yeah i think uh i think that's fantastic um i've definitely even though i'm, I'm an electrician i've been in places where uh, a side job i was on just a few months ago like went sideways uh, after i left and i had to i had to go back the next day and troubleshoot and like was at my wits end, like trying to figure out what was going on. And I ended up figuring it out, but like, yeah, I, I completely understand the, the, the s- spending hours and hours of your time trying to find stuff, find, figure stuff out and, uh, and figuring it out on your own. It feels, it feels good. Doesn't it? When you figure something it's out, it's rewarding. It is yeah. very rewarding. Yeah. That's one of the things I actually really love about the, about the trade is that it's extremely rewarding in that sense. So uh, to go back to legacy for a second before uh, Jerry says something mean, because uh, I, <laughs> I was going to say something building up for it. I was actually going to ask a legacy right question. I was going to ask a legacy question. 
I want right, to. Before I you know do something, okay, go ahead. Before you do, uh, looking at goldfish, I understand that goldfish numbers are skewed to make it look more diverse. Uh, that said, even with the skew to make it look more diverse, Delver of Secrets, so both uh, air quotes here, Teamer Delver and Is It Delver, uh, just over 16% of the meta. And then if you look at the deck in third place, which is labeled Bug, but if you click in into it, it's actually Bug and Grixis combined into one okay. category. Uh, <laughs> it's the second most played deck if you count, but if you lump the Delver decks together, it's the second most played deck at 4%. That is a high percent. So, you know, I was actually talking to um, uh, uh, Joe Dyer. Uh, he had written an article about the Cantrip Cartel recently. And Brian, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this because we were, I think we were in a private chat. We were talking about it, but I was like, man, like, I really don't like that we have preordained, ponder, and brainstorm in the format. And I, I thought, like, one of them should go. So, like, if you had a choice, which one do you think should, because I think knocking any one of those would probably take delver down a peg perhaps uh i think you have to do two out of the three if you're gonna do that two really two so i feel like if i don't you think hit one, one would do anything you don't think it would do anything unless it was because like a bunch of them don't even play preordain so like you would just replace mm. ponder with preordain like brainstorm spread of the identity of the format it's not i agree yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, so if, uh, if you're gonna take one it has to be brainstorm but they're never oh, going to take brainstorm well i don't think yeah so that's my thought was like yes don't take brainstorm but like I feel like if you cut ponder, like preordain is, is much worse than ponder. Can we agree on that? Yeah, but the decks running for preordain is like less than 0.001%. Like, right. But if you took, if you took, you know, you have, you have 10 cantrips. That's a made up stat. Huh? Well, let's say you have made up stat. Okay. Let's say you have 10 cantrips, right? Four of them are brainstorm. So those are staying. Four of them are ponder. And those immediately get downgraded to, to preordain. And now you have two less cantrips in the deck. Like, doesn't that make it fundamentally less powerful at that point? Yeah, but you're forgetting the 27 years of other cantrips. Like, we still have things like Sleight of Hand and Serum Visions. No one's going to play those cards. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they're like, not, those, like, but like, wouldn't... there's still options out well, there. Well, listen, listen, preordain, preordain was not. Okay. And okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Which I probably am. But when I started playing Legacy back with Dig Through Time, like preordain was not a card I was familiar with. I knew brainstorm yeah. and ponder, but preordain was not a card that was played. That is like a more recent addition to the legacy meta. Can we agree on that? It is preordain. It became more popular with uh, Dreadhorde. Okay. That said, I'm looking at the most recent uh, blue red and uh, rug list. So uh, blue red has three preordains. So they're running 11 cantrips. Rug is down to eight. So mm -hmm. rug delver arguably the best deck in the format as more results than blue red mm -hmm. isn't running any they could just swap for ponder and for preordain but do you pat do you think the percentage of 16 percent delver decks to the second deck at four percent how much does preordain over ponder matter like three percent at best that's a great that's a great question like i hate to i would hate to see delver leave the format personally only because like for me it's been it's been a the deck I love to play. So like I am extreme. That'd be like asking like LED to go for you. Right. Like I, it I would be very hard pressed to ever make the argument that like Delver, um, that Delver needs to go. So here's the thing, Pat. Uh, I don't know if you'll remember this, but like back during the, and you're going to wince when I say this companion era, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I said, like, if they're going to keep on printing cards that break LED, it would probably have to be banned between mm -hmm. breach into Luris. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, what is it called? 
the Fox uh, Zerda. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Gyruda. Like, right. All of these cards just like broke LED in half. And I was yeah. like, if they're just going to keep on printing this trash, like LED would have to get banned. Um, yeah. Fortunately, they've removed a bunch of that stuff from the format. Uh, but I mean, at some point, the design space will tip. And the problem right. is that like fair blue decks over the last decade have gotten so good because they've gotten so many more tools. Yes. And like these combo decks aren't getting those like fair decks are always getting better where combo decks aren't. Uh, it's just like the nature of how things are printed. Yeah. Well, I guess my my counter to that, or not counter to that, but the one thing I would add to that is like, I completely agree that blue decks have gotten fair, like, you know, fair blue decks have gotten significantly better, but I think it's because, because they have so much card selection in the cantrips that they run that if you were able to like, you know, cut four of the tier two, like the second tier ones and replace them with a tier 2.5, like preordained, I think that would make, I think it could power down the Delver decks a bit. And, and I, it's something I think, players might be amenable to is to get rid of ponder but i don't know and this is very much like spitballing to me but like i could see getting rid of one of the four like you know of the three you know mostly play cantrips and i think ponder would be the best one to go even though even though i love playing ponder um but i and i don't think brain i don't think you can make an argument for brainstorm to be banned just because like you said it's kind of like it's kind of like one of the identity or like the identity of the format really so a quick question or a quick story before we get to Jerry's question and Jerry, I haven't forgotten about you. I thanks, appreciate Brian. you. And I think that you're beautiful. Aww, uh, thank you. So let's rewind to 2004, a young angsty teen Bryant listening to the used going to the local card shop. <laughs> uh, when I was so, a young, is that the reuse? I don't actually don't know what to use. No, that's I my, chemical, my romance, chemical romance, but okay. okay. All right. <laughs> Even <laughs> like 14 year old Bryant thought they sucked. Uh, okay. not a fan. Yo, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa. Don't, don't be hating on MCR. They're lame. Anyway, so uh, emo Bryant going to the card shop, uh, 2004. I was I had Foon Chain Goblins built. I thought that was the sweetest deck. I had Land still uh, back when like Fire Ice was still a card. Mm-hmm. Legacy split from the reserved uh, ban list or Type 1.5 split. Mm-hmm. So the format lost Mana Drain, it lost Bizarre Baghdad, and it lost Mishra's Workshop. We used to get 40 person local events on a given Sunday. And like, this is also, it's weird to me to think because like w- w- the weekend events were always larger than, and now with like, uh, at least pre COVID weekend events are generally smaller than weekday events. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's because of the presence of large events and magic. Uh, like back when I was a kid, you would sign up for the morning event. You would get your discount on the evening event. If you stayed there all day, basically you would just like make them a bunch of money, but it was also rewarding for you. Uh, but you would get like 40 person locals on Sundays. And when that split happened, it was 15 people. A bunch of people sold off their collections. They're like, if I can't play with manager and Mishra's workshop, I don't want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So relating this to now, I think if you ever remove Brainstorm, it'd be the death of Legacy. I think mm, so many yep. people would lose their identity in the format that it would disappear. Um, you could say the same thing about Delver, but Temple would still exist. Um, it's just tough because it'd be different. I've always said it. If if wizards ever truly wanted to kill legacy, like like the con- tinfoil hat conspiracies were true, and wizards was trying to undermine and kill off legacy, all they would have to do is ban brainstorm, and mm. I think that would kill the format dead. I so, probably uh, would double think about you know continuing to play the format if that happens. To sound mean for a second. All of the pros tweeting this week about the changes to the MPL. How's <laughs> I know, it feel? I- like. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, how does it feel to be a legacy player? Let's be honest. Like, you now know what it feels like to be a legacy player. It sucks. We get no yep. support. Can, um, can, I, I thought it was funny because I was getting all like, I haven't been on Twitter in years, but all of a sudden I got all these notifications and one of my friends messaged me. It's like, why is everyone talking to this? Apparently one of my old tweets from like three years ago was being retweeted because I predicted this exact thing happening. And everyone's <laughs> like, <laughs> everyone's like, look, they so, <laughs> what exactly happened with the MPL? I know like a bunch of people, like I, I don't go on Twitter anymore, but I, I did get some notifications or whatever. Like, they just pulled been the plug dissolved. on it. Like yeah. they're just, wow. they haven't announced what will be coming next, but uh, basically there will be no pro players club and a bunch of the pros have been like, okay, time to play Hearthstone. Um, yeah. That sort of thing, because there's not going to be a trained anymore. Like there will be pro tours or player stores. They'll probably call them. Yeah. But like you have to spike a GP, you have to spike a PTQ. There's no invites based on past uh, success. Every single yeah. season will be people that have qualified via events. I kind of um, like that. Is that weird? Well, like, I think that's actually it would, better. It would be okay if there was, if like Wizards wasn't trying to be an esport. Like it just doesn't make any sense with their what? business model. Really? Of, yeah. Like, so here's part of the issue I had with the MPL. So let's say you qualify for the Pro Tour. You show up, you're like, I get to play against the best of the best, the mm -hmm. legends. You know, you think of all the great players out there. You look around the room. Where's John Finkel? Oh, he was in the Hall of Fame and isn't allowed there anymore. What? Like, you remove something special from the game when they took away all the Hall of Fame invites. Um, and, like, the Pro Tour means less when you're not facing all-time greats. Like, I qualified for one over quarantine. I beat Carlos Ramal, Brazilian pro huge deal hall of fame player trick person um and then i beat a japanese pro as well um and well, I, I, my week was made i was like i beat two of the best players on the planet okay okay well they were the best players on the planet at one point but were they the best when you played them pat like would you want to watch football if before every football season what if i was under the pads a... pat would you watch that <laughs> yeah like they had to compete against all the like local college and high school teams and then once they beat all the high school teams they got to play the college teams and then they could move up what do you and think if, derek if henry just, would like... do to me if i was in pads pat but but oh it's God, like but it's like that. worse <laughs> but it's like worse because before each game like they randomly get some like very well, hold on introduced hold on because... hold on for, let's rewind for a second so what you guys are saying is that that the pro tour should be based on past performance and not how you're doing right now. Whereas like, no. hold on, let me finish. No, let, no, me, no, no. let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Whereas every other sport that's taken seriously, and I'm not counting any esports because I don't think they I don't take them seriously. So we're not going <laughs> to talk about those. But every other sport that's taken seriously, there is a playoff system that you have to get into that you have to spike a game or a series of games. Hold on. Let me finish, Jerry. You're opening your mouth. Keep it close. <laughs> I can't see what Brian's doing, but I assume he's being polite because he's a polite man. <laughs> like there is a tournament system to get into these championship games, right? To get into the playoffs, you have to have a winning record on that season. It doesn't matter if you're the Patriots of, you know, if you're the Patriots now, like you have to win a certain number of games to get into the playoffs this year. It doesn't matter that you went to nine Super Bowls in the past 10 years. Like it doesn't, it's irrelevant. What matters is that you played well this year. So like to me, Having someone from the pro from the Hall of Fame invited to a to a tournament doesn't make any sense because John Finkel and Kai Buda, you're like, yes, at one point, greatest players of magic like on the planet. Are they still? No. They are not the they are not the best players right now. 
there are better players right now. And you can know that because people like Seth Manfield are the ones who who winning pro tours. It's not Kai Buddha and John Finkel. So to me, like I get like Bryant, like you get to topple these guys who are, who are well-known. Um, I think that's really cool and a cool experience, but like, to me, like, Oh, it's way cooler to me. If like the people who are on the pro tour or the players tour or whatever, or the player championship, whatever you want to call it, earned their invites. And it's not based on either who they are or who they were, or do they fill a certain requirement to give the game the look that we want? I think it's better to have people actually have to win tournaments to get on that, to get in that place and versus like, there's you done. You, you, <laughs> well, uh, the, the last thing I want to say is there has been a lot of consternation. Okay. With the invites that were given out to the MPL for people who were perceived not to have earned those invites. This completely, completely eliminates that issue, right? Where the only people who get in are the ones who earn their way in. That's all I'm going to say. The problem is the problem is variance magic as a game is designed so that an amateur can beat the best pro in the world some of the time Mm -hmm. that's an inherent design of magic and when you have that as an inherent design you cannot just have a pure competition especially with the way magic is set up and how in a a gp a single loss can knock you out of that gp and knock you out of contention Mm -hmm. you know because variance is so important to magic and because you basically have to go perfect in order to top eight and win an event it's just impossible to then have a you know a stable of pro well-known players because you're just going to have a constant churn of different people at every single event because it honestly comes down to not just who are the best players it's who are the best players who are also the lucky ones in that event that's who wins the tournament it's like yes you need to have skill to win yeah, but that's... for the most part you really need to have luck and every pro magic player will say that that you know you need to have some level of luck to spike a tournament that's that's every major sport though with the exception of maybe something like chess so, no uh, <laughs> what? no so the problem with pets uh, example is that like uh the patriots missed the playoffs they don't deserve to make it that said uh the single a affiliate of like a sports team doesn't get the chance to make the Super Bowl. Um like Pat's example would work better if it was all about all pros get a chance to make the pro tour, but like I'm an amateur. Like mm-hmm. realistically I'm an amateur. The difference would be me making the World Series. Like I don't deserve that. Um based on your thing because like I'm not already in the club. So right now it's all amateurs competing against like people that are also pros. But like when I get to the big show, I might be facing John Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not facing, you know, John Finkel, Kai Bude, all those guys. Um, and it, like it loses a little bit of its luster. If you just show up and you're like, oh man, I'm going to get to play the best of the best. And you look around the room and you're like, I don't know a single fucking person here. Sure. Sure. Um, that's the thing. I, I, it, compl- it, it I, like I that, understand it, that. It'd be like Pat before every Patriots game, the entire Patriots lineup uh, had to do a coin toss with the local high school football team. And if they lost the coin toss, then that high school football player would be on the Patriots instead of instead of the pro player. Yeah, but do you really think pros would, you know, be this 
great, uh, you know, have as much fanfare around them, uh, be well-known household names. If, you know, Tom Brady lost the coin toss before the Super Bowl. And so he couldn't play in the Super Bowl. And instead you have like Jimmy, the high school quarterback is playing in the Super Bowl instead. So, he won so the coin but what toss. you're saying, what you're saying is Jerry, as I think you're, that's a miss, uh, a misunderstanding of how football works. You do have that coin toss. It's called getting drafted. It's called practices every week. You don't start a game. Yeah, just, but you're, no, 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 no. Let me finish. You don't start a game just because you're you're the starting quarterback. You have to earn that spot every single week. And any football player worth their salt will tell you that's the case from from my flag team up to the up till the professional level. Yeah. So you've got to earn that spot. Yeah, and you're telling and you're telling these pros they need to earn that spot before every single game. Yes, hundred percent. Ask Bryant. So you're saying Tom, Tom, Tom Brady needs to go from high school football to pro play before every single football game in order to earn. So his spot. I think uh, from a like magical perspective, Pat is like somewhat correct there, but also like, let's say Tom Brady gets drunk the night before. Uh, like I, I know Tom Brady doesn't drink, so maybe this is a bad example, but let's he say it's uh, Cam Newton, Cam Newton definitely <laughs> drinks. So Cam Newton gets shit the night before, like gets trashed wakes up the next day has super bad diarrhea goes eh, i'll play anyway no one's going to question him like he did he doesn't have to earn a spot that day uh no matter what because he was given that job like it is his job until he performs so poorly that he doesn't get it anymore mm-hmm. um but like it is not earned most of the time uh you, he probably earns it a few times a season I'd say that like a few good performances. Yeah. That, that means he gets to keep his job. But also if you think about it in a, from a baseball perspective, there's players that go on like hitless streaks. Like Francisco Lindor was just on a one for 18 skid. Um, he doesn't have to earn his job every time he comes up to the plate. Mm-hmm. So well, I'd like to circle back. Cause we've gone so far down the rabbit hole at this point. <laughs> also, I can't wait to like, look at the feedback from this episode where they're like, ah, oh, they fucking talked about nothing for two hours. Uh-huh. <laughs> Those are the, those, honestly, those are our highest rate episodes. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get in trouble uh, on the eternal glory podcast when we don't get into magic right away. People leave long messages about how we shouldn't talk about our lives. Oh, uh, you know what you should do? You Here's what you should do, Brian. You should tell them, sorry that the free podcast you're listening to, it didn't live up to your standards. You can go listen to somewhere else. You tell them to go fucking pound. Yeah. Because guess what? We it's do that. And then they go listen to leaving legacy and they never <laughs> say shit. <laughs> it's because we've trained them. See, the thing is, is you, you guys actually try and give them quality metagame analysis. We're yeah. just like, listen, this is going to be shit from the beginning guys, of the episode is, to the end of the episode. Podcast. This is a lifestyle podcast. Yeah. And you're going to have a ton of fun while you listen to it. This but is you're about, not this is learn about the Chad Boomer versus, <laughs> I don't know. What's the, what's the bad one? <laughs> the the beta the beta millennial you know that's what this no, is as as uh the dead the dead format labeled me i'm the uh the champagne socialist oh that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> uh lib- uh limousine libertarian yeah <laughs> so jerry we've gone really far away what was your original question like half an hour ago before i cut you off Oh, I wanted to know uh, Mishra's Bobble. Mishra's Bobble, we've been seeing. I mean, it seems so like out of conduct, like irrelevant right now, but <laughs> we've been seeing in top eight lists Mishra's Bobble pop up. And I was wondering if you had any uh, comments on that. Card is sweet. I've been playing it over Rite of Flame. Uh, it basically makes your Opals active more quickly. So it essentially, mm-hmm. it makes your Opals tap for an extra mana, which is something similar to that Rite of Flame does, but also lets you draw your like Dark Rituals, your Wishclaw Chalismans, your LEDs more quickly. You get to sculpt with fetch lands with them because you target yourself. And Wait, then you're that, like, oh, the, my top it... card isn't a dead card. So you activate Bobble, you target yourself. 
let's say you see a Chrome Ox, you're like, okay, I'm going to fetch them. I'm not drawing this Chrome Ox. How does it wait? How does it cause your Chrome Ox to tap for an extra mana, or is it just that it Mox turns Opal. on? Or Mox Opal. Oh, is it just it turns on Metal Metalcraft sooner? Is yep. that what you're saying? Exactly. Gotcha. So you can cast Wish Claws and Defense Grid on turn one more frequently. Gotcha. I think we saw it first with, uh, no, not just first in general, just we saw it as a podcast. We saw it with Tony when we had Tony Scaponi on for uh, his uh, Ruby Storm list. You talked about uh, uh, Mishra's Bobble. And since then, I've been seeing it in a bunch of combo lists. So I was just wondering if this was a, uh, you know, hot new tech for everyone, not just. I don't the, think uh, Tony's deck list had it. That said, that is the last Leaving a Legacy I listened to. <laughs> oh, you should listen to the history episode. The history episode was good. Um, or oh, what were we talking about with Tony? That he would, yeah, he was specifically not playing it or something like that. Do you yeah, remember? Yeah, he was playing Opal, but not Bobble. Right, um, but not Bobble. Not enough card room, and it's nothing personal. Uh, I swear, it's ever since COVID and Pat's. Please don't go on a rant, Pat. Uh, without <laughs> the commute or working in an office, I listen to less podcasts. Yeah, that's, so that's a bummer. But probably I, also- I listen to only a few. Yeah, uh, and I'm sorry, you guys. Uh, like, I listen to the ones that I think will be good. If it's somebody I don't recognize, I don't listen to. Um, call me elitist. I don't care. It's just I, I'm a busy guy. I, I feel you. I actually specifically go on walks to listen to podcasts now because otherwise I just won't listen because I just don't have time to listen to them. So now I'm just getting all these walks in. So I'm just like, oh, man, it's our hour episode of Eternal Glory. I guess I'm getting uh, some cardio in this week. Yeah. So what will happen is like the Scrubs podcast that I listen to, I'll forget for like three weeks to listen. And then I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, I'm like back by like four or five episodes and I'll just listen <laughs> to five in a row. Like that's pretty much what I do with all my podcasts, now, including you guys. Like I'll listen to like a couple in a row uh, and then like I'll get distracted. And I'll turn it off and I won't listen again for four weeks or whatever. Yeah. It's true. I have a huge backlog of uh, a podcast and going through them is a, is a slow process, especially I just listened to like a three hour Dan Carlin, hardcore history episode. Nice. So I stopped listening to Dan after a while. It comes and goes in waves, man. You guys, yeah, no. I, I haven't listened to him in a long time. You know, but. you know how I used to, used to listen to a lot and I just can't anymore is Joe Rogan. I just can't do it. I like, if I find a really interesting guest that I like, I'll listen to it, but He's just so repetitive and such a fucking dumbass. Like I can't listen to most of the stuff he does. Horrible. You know what? I I I can at least give him some credit for that because what does he do? Like daily episodes or what, like he what does is... like two or three a week, I think. Yeah, he does two or three a week. It's hard talking. Oh about stuff. yeah. Like oh, yeah. even even the, I'm sure like even Brian, you notice in the beginning of the episode, I was I was reaching for stuff to talk about just because you know it's hard doing it week in and week out and you know being fresh every time. Yeah. We uh do it every two weeks with Eternal Glory, and sometimes you're just like, I feel like we recorded yesterday, especially over the pandemic when nothing's happened. Yeah. So it can be tough. Uh, that said, one podcast that I listen to, like, there's only eight episodes, I believe, and I listen to them all in, like, a day and a half, is uh, the Bruce Springsteen Obama podcast. Whoa, wait. People, uh, uh, people dumped on it. They're like, because the title is Renegades, uh, like, it's Renegades Born in the USA, so I don't, people might not know this, but Obama's like secret service name was renegade and people are like, no, they're not renegades. They're old men. There's nothing rebellious about them. They're not trans like, like people are just going off the deep end. Uh, but if you listen to the podcast, it's about their lives. And like, I'm not really interested in hearing about how they're trailblazers. I'm interested in like the, you know, the cool aspects of their lives. And like, I'm a pretty big Springsteen fan. And in it, he talks about how he always uh, felt like he was an imposter and he dealt with imposter syndrome. So like uh, born to run born in the USA 
he felt like he was putting on a persona that people wanted him to be. And when he released Nebraska, he was making music he finally wanted to make on his own. Um, so like it got rid of that, like definitely like 70s Springsteen sound and like Nebraska is like really stripped down. It's just like him in a cabin with a, an acoustic guitar. And um, he felt like he was making this music that was all about his dad's life and his dad's friends. And eventually he was on like such a bender. He just decided he needed to do something for himself. And like hearing the story and his thought process, thought process on it was super interesting to me. And I got really into it. And uh, I'd recommend that to anyone. It's not even that political. Like it does get a little bit political. Obviously Obama's in it, but uh, it was just a really good listen and like getting their like life stories and stuff. And I enjoyed it. Mm, that's really cool. Uh, I, I actually might check that out. It's called Renegades. Yeah. Okay. If I was Springsteen, first question I would have asked Obama is what's an area 51. You got to tell us. Uh, I mean, they're like pretty good friends. Uh, Joe Biden's close. I don't know if you're noticed. Really? Yeah. Um, for her decades, Springsteen wouldn't let uh, Republicans use his music. And uh, when Obama ran in 2008, it was the first time that he endorsed somebody using his music. He's like, you can. Oh, use he wouldn't my, let uh, politicians use his music like in general. Yes. Oh. Yep. So he, he saw something in Obama and decided that Obama was good enough. Interesting. It's kind of funny because uh, Springsteen's music is like a calling card for a lot of the like a lot of what am I trying to say? Bruce Springsteen's music feels like it lends itself to uh, political conventions like really well. Just, you know, you would think so. But like if you listen to like Born in the USA, it's kind of like an indictment of the United States and Vietnam. Right. It's not like a yeah, like, hey, I was born in the US. Like that's what make that's what makes you laugh is when politicians try to use Born in the USA as like. It's like anthem. knocking it's up like, for going into Vietnam. Yeah, it's like it's it's like it's like oh, you guys only listen to the court. You guys barely even listen to the court. You guys, wait, hold on. You guys just know the sing along part. That's all you know. <laughs> they just know the title, Pat. They yeah. saw that title. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is, right? It's like that's like using uh, what's that Creedence song? Uh, fortunate son. Fortunate son. That's like yeah, it's all about that's draft the same. Dodgers and... Yeah, it's like the same thing. It's like yeah, that's yeah, that's um, that's that's cool. Um, I like that. I'll have to check that out, man. That sounds good. I was so there's only eight episodes and they're like 45 minutes each. So you're you'll be able to rip through them in an afternoon. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, awesome. That's fantastic. They also talk about uh like some of the pressures put on men to be manly, and I thought that episode was pretty interesting and how sometimes like the false bravado can be exhausting, um, that sort of thing. Like they go through a variety of topics. Yeah, that's yeah, good. That's cool. That I mean, I I I think I think uh I don't I don't know much about about Bruce Springsteen, to be honest. Um I dig a lot. Of, I know like his hits. I, I I like a lot of his music. I think it's pretty cool. Um, but and, and for as far as Obama goes, like I liked him as a president. I would be down to listen to that because I think he has a nice way of talking. I like Bruce Springsteen, but I'll never forgive him because I saw I saw him at Bonnaroo Music Festival in Tennessee in July. It was a hundred and seven degrees, and he played Santa Claus is coming to town. Not once, but twice back to back. And I will never forgive him. For Why that. did he do that? Is that like a popular <laughs> request for him? I guess so. You like really he, like that song. Yeah, he has. I think he has on one of his albums. Santa Claus is coming to town. On, well, on it a, does. It does play on the radio occasionally during the Christmas time. And I have to say that is like one of the songs. I, I like Christmas music. I like that one a lot. That's up on my list. So. All right. That's cool. Yeah, but twice I like a lot. It. A lot. I, especially in 107 degree heat maybe he was like trying to encourage you to like think heat. about the winter jerry think about when it's cold outside <sighs> all 
<laughs> Anyways, we're getting long in the tooth here. Should we uh should we start to wrap this up? Uh yeah, we can do that. What's it, what are we gonna title this episode, Jerry? I, don't know, I think well, Brian's the most important host on, he so is, I think he, he des- deserves. So uh, I guest. I demand that this is not another Brian Cook returns. Okay, uh, <laughs> like it's just not allowed. Like okay. not you another already... not another teen movie. Are you doing like uh Brian <laughs> Brian Claus is coming to town? Sure, I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Claus sounds like a terrible monster. <laughs> 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 Brian Claus, <laughs> the dreaded. Like, like, you'd, you'd be shocked at the number of people that think that they're funny on like YouTube comments. They'll be like Brian Cock. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've never heard that before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually secretly Jerry's alt. Just so you know, <laughs> just by him cackling, my know. hundreds of <laughs> hundreds of YouTube of alts. <laughs> Every single one is me. <laughs> No, I've never, I've never commented Brian Cock. I, I always I've go ever written something mean about anyone on the internet in general. I mean, I've definitely done that, but <laughs> maybe <laughs> I, uh, actually, maybe I have to. Maybe not I about to. Brian though. Not about Brian. No, mostly Pat. Brian. Mostly Pat. I just I mostly talk bad about. So Pat. I don't know if Jerry will remember this, but uh, back when I was in the Cool Kids Legacy chats before I was kicked out, uh, I was the one that started the show and tell meme with Jerry. Where show and tell is the hardest part of the deck. I was egging Jerry on, and he snapped. He's like, "Show and tell is the hardest part of the deck." And on this giant rant, and that was because of me and just needling Jerry. That's fantastic. Oh, man. <laughs> and we got a, a meme that will live in infamy. It, I mean, it's 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 gonna outlive you, Jerry. Like it's gonna be on your gravestone, bro. <laughs> oh, Jerry showed he he did his, he showed his last tell. So I'm not gonna tell uh, my favorite Jerry story because I feel like I do it every time I'm on this podcast. But uh, I have to say, when I listen to, and I'm not trying to be mean to Jerry here, I promise. But when I listen <laughs> to Leaving a Legacy, I often think to myself. How many times will Jerry mention his GP top eight? It's like a game that I play. <laughs> oh man! And I'm so proud of Jerry for not mentioning it once this episode. I am proud of you, Jerry. I never mention it. Never. So in my head, I often go over under two. Like, <laughs> like will he at least mention it two times? Uh, and I know you're supposed <laughs> to like do like two and a half or for over and under or whatever. But in my head, I'm like, will he mention it twice? Uh, that's the number in my head. I mean, for what it's worth, if I ever G- if I ever top eight of the GP, I'd probably talk about it all the time. I'd probably tell people about who don't even know magic. I'd be like, hey, you remember about GP the top eight, top eight GP? Yeah, no, no. Okay. I mean, I have, but it was like so long ago that it's like I'm no one cares. They'll be like, Yeah, whatever, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so man. this one time I was playing at this GP in Niagara. <laughs> <laughs> Now, right. Let's talk about let's talk about variants, you know, like talk about earning a spot, you know, because I've earned my spot. And the- <laughs> I think you earned your spot you just as much as Cam Newton, Barcelona. as much as Cam Newton. I'm the Cam Newton of the Magic Pro Tour. Let's oh, go. You need a bigger hat if that's the case, Jerry. <laughs> no, I'm uh, this is a throwback. I'm I'm the Rashid Wallace of the uh, the Magic Pro Tour. No, okay. I sports, <laughs> my sports reference just totally whiffed. Okay, so I don't Pat, get. I don't share, get it. Uh, my favorite thing of this year's fantasy football season, week three, I traded Cam Newton and the running back from the Colts. I can't think of his name, but he had like a blowout game, like twenty six points or something. Mm-hmm. I traded the two of them for Patrick Mahomes, and I easily won the rest of the year. Oh, fantastic! Uh, I went like sixteen and two with my losses being the bye week and something else. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, remember that time you said uh, Patrick Mahomes is overrated? 
I appreciate uh, you. Well, I I don't. So did I say he's overrated? I don't I don't believe in he, I don't believe he's worth the money that he earns. Oh, like I don't believe he's worth the extension that he got. I think that he's his usefulness will will peter out well before that. What did he get a ten year contract? Something stupid like that. Well, before that's over. I mean, I like him as a quarterback. He's a fantastic. I mean, a fantastic athlete. It's just the type of quarterback that makes most of their that opens up most of their opportunities by running. I feel like they're just not long for the NFL. Like we saw that with Mike Vick. We see that with every running. Quarterback I don't like running quarterback. Like I'm wrong about this one, but I don't like running quarterback. So I've never once in my life drafted. Um, I'm going to blank on his name now. The quarterback from Seattle. Um, oh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. I refuse yeah. to draft him. Yeah. And it's like a flaw in me because he's amazing, but I refuse to draft running quarterbacks. Like well, I like my Aaron Rodgers. Like he's like the ideal yeah. quarterback for me yeah. where he can run a little bit, but he's mostly a passer. Yes. Yeah. yeah I completely agree. I, I mean, again, like it, maybe, maybe it is my own personal bias, but like, you know, what? it probably is my personal bias, but I've never been a fan of the quarterback who, who makes, makes their routes open up by running the ball. Uh, I just, it's just not a long-term solution to being a quarterback. It's just not. So um, I like how we started talking sports and Jerry's eyes literally glazed over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing with a fidget spinner. <laughs> Listen, Pat, I believe in the, uh, the NFL blitz 64 strategy. Of oh, just running, I love, I fucking love NFL blitz. Run oh, it straight man. to like, if football was more like NFL blitz, I'd probably like football more. If, if football was more like NFL blitz, uh, you would need the high school players to come up because everyone would be suffering from CTE. In the yeah. first season in the NFL. <laughs> Not to well, also it's like when you go a super long pass and the ball literally sets on fire as it oh, flies. Oh, you know what I used to love is that there was no pass interference calls, so you could just destroy <laughs> receivers yeah. before the ball got to him. Yeah, I would just like I would just like soccer tackle oh, the receiver's the legs. <laughs> Dude, oh well, my I have gosh. a recommendation for the two of you. Um, I don't like cartoons because I'm like pretty boring and lame. Uh, but I watched Invincible on Amazon. Dude, I love it. It was so good. So like, I wasn't good. expecting to like it. And then I was hooked. I was like, man, are all cartoons this good? And I think part <laughs> of it's like Rick and Morty is fine, but I hate every single person that likes Rick and Morty because they just don't shut the fuck up about it. And like, it's fine. Like, I chuckle and then I go, okay, I'm going to watch something else now. But like, Invincible was the first cartoon I've watched where I'm like, I want to watch more. Yeah. Um, Invincible was so good. Like, I just wish that there was like eight seasons. <laughs> <laughs> There's other good cartoons, Brian. There, there is. And like, besides just like Rick and Morty and, and it's terrible fan base, but there, there are really, really good adult cartoons that have come out uh, recently. And I think honestly, we're going to see a few more because I've heard that a lot of the, uh, you know, animated series uh, have been getting made, especially uh, before we relaxed on lockdown. So it was almost like animated series were the only things that could really be made because everything I'm else shocked that just... more weren't made because it's so easy to record your audio. And then just like, you know, like you and this other person could hop on a zoom call and make more. It just seems like not enough for them were made over COVID. Well, the problem is animation, like animation takes a lot of work and a lot of time, like even with modern technology, like it's just, it's a really painstaking process. Longer than 14 months, Gerald, <laughs> <laughs> not longer than 14 months. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, let's get also, into well, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. What do you, what do you have to say? I was yeah. going to say, like, I've been getting into like some video editing for like the YouTube stuff. Like oh, I was, it is I wanna... difficult, yeah. but it's not as bad as people make it out to be. It's just yeah. time consuming, right? Like learning, it's got a, 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 a slow learning curve, I feel like. 
Yeah, like I've had people message me. They're like, why don't you take out the parts where your opponent's play slow so that way the video is faster? How much time do you think I have in a day? Yeah, that, like, it's so time consuming. Like, like 30 seconds of editing uh, video is probably like, you know, half hour. Just the multiplier on it is is insane. Yeah, let's uh, give the scoops of poops, Jerry. Scoops? The, let's talk about those scoops. Let's do some scoops. I don't actually have any scoops this week, Pat. I'm sorry. Oh, it's cool. It's a dark day. It's a dark day. That's all right. Uh, how about you, Brian? You have any scoops in the top eight? Um, I would like to scoop both of you in the top eight because you're both Aww. delightful people. And thank you for having your third favorite co-host back. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm I like I said at the beginning of the episode, I am on the uh, the Facebook cover. I should be here more often. I am I on agree. the title. Uh, that wonderful Photoshop that somebody made. I love it, but <laughs> we should probably Ian. get some updated uh, TV shows in there. As much as I love glow, I think it was canceled. So we yeah. get a new one and uh, make my name a little bit bigger and then put like all of my favorite shows on it. Like, like Ozark. I'm a big fan of that one. They're, they're having another season. Let's bring that up there. I couldn't get into that show. I tried. It was too depressing. Maybe sad. She got, she got some invincible on there. All right, so Brian, do you have any other any additional scoops? I think I, that's it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go to scoops. I'm gonna scoop both you guys in. I love when we all get together and talk. I well, now I'm gonna a, change my answer. Fuck, no, no, I'll scoop fine. both no, you no, guys no, in no, too. No, 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 no. It only works. <laughs> no, you you fucking ruined yours, Jerry. Yeah, because <laughs> I went first. And Damn I'm, it. I'm gonna I'm gonna scoop in uh, all our fantastic uh, healthcare workers. Thank, oh thank, wow, make me feel extra shitty. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, uh, Bryant, if people want to find you, uh, why don't you plug your like your YouTube channel and stuff like that here? Uh, you can find me at Bryant A. Cook on Twitter, uh, you, YouTube.com slash The Epic Storm. Uh, the Epic Storm.com has all my socials on it. So uh, I appreciate a subscribe slash follow on YouTube trying to grow my user base. So if you want sweet legacy content, there's plenty of it. Hell yeah. And and merch actually just no no lie or just anything just like straight honesty here uh my epic storm pint glass is like one of my favorite pint glasses to use at home uh thanks jerry it's just it's it's just it feels good in the hand and it holds a full pint of beer and that what else do you need i use it to water my office plants (laughs) (laughs) i fill it up and each plant gets a pint glass exactly there you go it's good measurements all right pat play us out no, no, we, we, don't, we, we do can't poops. do that. All our episodes got removed. Oh, yeah, we can't. Oh, yeah. Poops. <laughs> Brian, you got poops. No, you you go first. You were first for the scoops. All right. I'm going to I'm I'm pooping on my girlfriend because she's in Disney World and without me and I don't like it. She's sending me all these pictures of her on roller coasters and having all this fun. And I'm like just sitting in my office. So poops. All right. I would like to poop on Jerry for not <laughs> scooping in Pat and I. So, uh. <laughs> Man, no matter what I do, I just come out looking like an asshole. <laughs> Pat, do That's you have awesome. any poops? No, man, I try to keep it positive. There's enough bad stuff going on. I guess I try to keep it help, keep it good now. Keep it nice, light, fun, playful. Let's stay playful, Jerry. Stay playful. <laughs> awesome. All right, anything else before we get out of here? I think we're good. All right, Brian, thanks, thanks for, for coming on, guys. I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks yeah. for coming on, man. It was great to talk to you as always. And uh, uh, we'll keep an eye on the uh, the YouTube page. Please don't, you know, if you have new videos that come up, don't hesitate to put them on the uh, the Facebook page. Of course, you are always welcome to put your content there. We love it there. And uh, that's right. Th- thanks for hanging out, man. It was great to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me.
Awesome. All right. Thanks for everyone for hanging out this week. We'll catch you all next week. Bye. Leave me the legacy. Come on down to Never a favorite to